when I made the joke about Chris cubing like early Sunday morning mm-hmm. and then Kenny brought up breakfast cube. I was like, man, mm-hmm. breakfast cube sounds so good. So are you saying that you want to cube at breakfast time? Or are you saying that some sort of breakfast food that is like a cube of breakfast? Oh, items I think like cubing at good. breakfast time would be cool because okay. breakfast is a great meal that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. But I I am interested in cubed enjoying breakfast. a breakfast cube. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm not as interested in that because I don't know. You'd have to really of the, convince me. Like dystopian future dehydrated food implications of the breakfast cube? Uh, yeah, I'm not too keen on that. Well, we're just going to need to learn to accept it. I have to dehydrate all my food and then compress it into cube form. Mm-hmm. And yeah, eat your, eat your food pills. <laughs> well, no, I want my cubes to be like, I don't know, like half the size of this, this pepper. <laughs> Which I have next to me. (laughs) It's very specific. Yeah. What was the most object I could hold that didn't have, (laughs) that had dimensions? (laughs) I've got a bunch of, got a pen, but it's not big enough. No, a bunch of magic cards. And some cups. I mean, volume wise, the pen is probably like half of that pepper grinder, so we could have skipped a step. Yeah, but I like the pepper grinder. Mm -hmm. It's more edible than the pen. everyone welcome to episode 237 of the mtg grindcast the spikiest podcast in all of central north carolina we are your hosts i'm chris caster apple with me is lee mcleod and on my desk right in front of me is simon the cat he's decided to camp out for this episode i think but simon simon not a very loud cat so we might not even hear him no he's biting my knuckle right now though so you might hear me Nope, he stopped. Thank you. I appreciate that. All all cooperation among the three grindcast hosts today. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna have to like commission a picture or something like that. Uh, Lee and CCR and Simon the cat just eating CCR. <laughs> He's not usually very bitey, but sometimes he demands attention, which is why he's you know co-hosting today. Yes, standing literally directly in front of me between me and my computer monitor. Uh, So today I figured we would have a uh, cognitive dissonance episode by starting out talking about the arena economy announcement. I, I don't think you can even call it that. And then going straight into a review of the Kamigawa neon dynasty alchemy cards as though we did not just spend like 15 or 20 minutes talking about how awful the arena economy is and nobody should spend money on cards especially the alchemy cards i think the thing that really was wild to me about the economy announcement was the like this could have been an email nature of the whole thing (laughs) setting it up Let's well, just call it a stream, right? An economy stream. A sesh. Yeah. Announcing it beforehand, like doing it live. They were just asking for a punishment. Like, why would you? They should have just released the article blind one day and then just 
It would have been whatever. They, they, they shouldn't a... even have released an article. They should have just put the thing in the store and then let, like not pretended that it was going to make us happy. <laughs> Were they pretending it was making us happy? I was either working or driving back from work at the time, so I didn't really watch the stream. I was just yeah. engaged on the Twitter discourse because, boy, people were really letting him have it. <laughs> like, obviously, the people actually who have to, like, make the announcement and talk about it and stuff are not the people making the decision about Arena's economy and, and how it's going to function. Uh, so I do feel for them. It's it's not Blake's fault. Like, just what a weird thing to like announce like we're going to talk to you about the Arena economy and we'll have stuff to say and then there's really just nothing to say except like we hear you we're not listening we're not going to change anything uh you can buy wild cards for $50 that is like a complete side grade from just buying $50 worth of packs like questionably better unless you specifically just want to craft like four playsets of rares and a playset of mythics then I guess it's slightly better value but it's not a good thing it is a good thing because it like makes very obvious like you can make direct comparisons yeah Yeah, how expensive buying a deck on arena is i mean this was very very obvious on the the announcement they put on the state of the game which is (laughs) uh, i'm just gonna read it so tune into weekly mtg on twitch this thursday blah 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 for discussion of the mtg arena economy how it works the whys behind its design and the goals driving it this is not like a yeah, we're going to address your concerns about the arena economy. This right. is a, like, all right, we're going to tell you how wrong you are, so buckle yeah. up. <laughs> and we're going to tell you our vision for MTG Arena, which is that we've decided it's not fun to dust cards, and we've decided that the fun way to play Magic is to, like, slowly acquire a collection over time and, like, never really keep up with set releases. Like, we've decided that that's fun and do not care that y'all are telling us that it's not fun yeah like thanks for your you know participation in this q a session but i'm afraid you're just wrong yes <laughs> also not they got visibly fun. annoyed at some questions uh, from what i heard like someone asked about historic brawl on ladder or something so some more accessibility for casual formats and mm-hmm. the guy just immediately shut it down very bluntly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i did not watch the actual stream itself either i can't like consume information that sucks in that way i have to read it and get it over with and just absorb it like i can't sit there and like let this thing drag on so their their production value is also pretty poor their pacing is very bad for these kind Mm -hmm. of weekly shows not to say that that's like anyone's fault. It's just like engaging with Twitch chat and there's like 40,000 people in Twitch chat. It's right. just a losing battle. <laughs> yeah, no real way to execute on that. But I'm sure it would go a little smoother if they were announcing anything that anybody liked. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Arena Economy, pretty bad. It just costs a lot of money to keep up with. And although we are going to go over the arena cards because it is unavoidable that new magic cards are cool and fun to talk about and we want to talk about them, like the whole thing is colored by the fact that that alchemy is just so inaccessible to release a second set for each set. And this is 30 cards and like five of them are uncommons and the rest are rares and mythics. And the only reasonable way to get these is by like crafting them as wild cards like you can buy the alchemy packs but 
that's like a that's a pretty slow process a majority of your cards are just from the base kamigawa set as commons anyway yeah like and just the the audacity to like make all of these cards rares and mythics again it's just like what's the point of the other rarities and i guess like they basically said there is no point when they were like yeah we no plans to let you convert common and uncommon wild cards into anything because we don't want anybody to have the feeling that they can't craft a deck because they don't have enough common or uncommon wild cards. So like commons and uncommons are just meaningless and they know that. And then that means that when they make an alchemy set, they have to make all of the cards rare or mythic in order to get anything out of it because commons and uncommons are meaningless. Right. It's it's a clear uh, we want to make money, but we're not going to tell you straight up that our reason for doing this is money, which is extremely insulting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it just it feels like you just can't handle the truth. But it's like we know it's just that you're lying to us about this. This isn't our first trip around the sun, <laughs> you know, I, like obviously you're trying to make money off of us. And obviously that is the primary motivating factor behind each of these decisions. It is so insulting to pretend that the reason. So, so maybe some of them truly believe like. The fun way to acquire a collection is to not have to dust anything. It's not fun to dust things. It's fun to, like, grind out and get your cards slowly and get to keep them forever. Maybe? But boy, does that somehow seem to always align with it being really predatory and, like, eking the most money possible out of anyone who wants to play a deck. See, I'm in the weird minority position here because I know everyone latched onto that quote and just, like, had their way with it all over the place but i actually agree here with uh with watsy i actually do not like dusting cards and destroying them i love crafting cards yeah but the problem dusting is good because you get to use your resources in the way the game is provided to you to get what you want that's what's good mm-hmm. about dusting but i've always disliked getting rid of cards that i know i'll have to make like craft back later if i want to do it and that's just like an accepted part of the game for every card game i've played like gwent eternal hearthstone Mm -hmm. etc whatever it doesn't matter so dusting is just net good because it's how you use your resources in the game but i have really i really enjoy legends of terror you know that and that game does not have dusting but it does have crafting Mm -hmm. Uh, you get a million materials like you get both wild cards and essentially dust they're called shards mm-hmm. from opening packs or treasures or whatever mm-hmm. which just go into an allocation you can only use it to create cards of whatever rarity you want yeah and that game does a very 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 good job of it, just getting cards into your hand mm-hmm. and i've never missed not being able to destroy like whatever cards i don't want in that game because you just get cards sure. at an acceptable rate yeah and right i don't think dusting is like inherently good but you can't sit there and tell us that you know, dusting isn't fun, and also we are not going to give you enough crafting materials <laughs> yeah, to that, play the that's, game. That's where the issue is for me. Like dusting, I can I can agree with the premise that dust destroying cards is not funny. You you can sell me on that, but what you can't do is say therefore, sorry, like that's the end of it. We're just not going to give you enough materials to do the thing you want to do, which is unacceptable. Right. Also, magic as a game is like pretty deeply suited to dusting once you've turned it into a digital form because yeah, there's, there's a lot so of cards. Limited cards. Right. And there's lots of rares that you'll never play with, especially if you're like 
a, a player who plays a certain type of deck. If I just generally like to play aggro decks or whatever and really have no use for most control cards or something like that, um, if I have a specific player archetype, then there's a lot of cards that just aren't for me. Uh, Magic just has way more cards in every set than any other card game. Heavily because of limited, but also just like there's a lot of different types of decks you can build, a lot of niche applications for things. So... I think like magic as a game is almost uniquely suited to have dusting as part of it. I don't know that dusting itself like solves problems or whatever, but to say that it's just going to be, it, it's a bad addition to the game when you can't build your decks just doesn't really make any sense. It What's does not check to out to me is I'm going to try and find their, their quote. Cause I know I, I put it on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so in the vein of dusting, people asked if, you could ever exchange wild cards at some rate, like common or uncommon wild cards, to mm -hmm. like trade them up to rares or mythics. Yeah, basically, you know, exchanging one resource for a different resource, mm -hmm. which is the core of dusting. And I don't know what they said on the stream, but they haven't. They had an article with this question, and it has this. I'll read the, their entire response. So bear with me here. There are currently no plans to support this. Yep, that's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> just okay but but why yeah. the answer is money but they're just not yes. gonna say it the answer is money the fake answer that they gave is we don't want players to feel like they're unable to craft a deck because they're short common or uncommon wild cards which is a very fake answer because like you get the same feeling from not being able to craft a deck because you don't have rare or mythic wild cards yeah. but that's like a worse feeling because you know to get enough it's going to cost you a huge amount of money which we can now directly calculate thanks to these $50 wildcard bundles. <laughs> like, that bad feeling very much exists. Oh, yeah. It's a big reason of why I just don't play Arena anymore. I just got to totaling how much I was going to... Like, if I didn't enjoy... Uh, not called Heim. Strixhaven. Like, if I didn't enjoy Strixhaven draft, mm -hmm. and I had to calculate how much I was going to spend to get just rare wild cards. Yeah. By not playing draft, it was just way too much money. Way yep. too much money. Well, and now they, they do that work for you and they tell you it will be $50 yeah. to get these rare wild cards. Yeah, so that all just kind of sucks. Uh, arena economy is very bad. I, you know, there's a couple of things that I think would go a, a huge way. So the answer that people give all the time to criticisms of the arena economy is, well, you know, if you play limited... <laughs> and also you have like a 65% win rate at all times in limited, then you're fine. Well, a lot of people don't want to play limited. I think it is completely nuts that you just do you get nowhere by playing constructed. Even if you eschew ladder completely and play the like constructed events, they're such chintzy events that give you like a bare handful of gold. If you like the fake currency, they don't give you. Pa Why don't we have constructed events that reward you with packs? Like, Every other game, you play Whoa. the game and you get CCR. You get five packs if you hit at the end of the mythic, month. If you hit at the mythic, end of beautiful. every month, mm -hmm. five packs. That's like I don't know what the conversion rate on draft prizes is, but it's got it's got to be at least like a draft. It's about the least satisfying way you could possibly construct a reward. Like it's delayed. There's no way to like really visualize your progress. You like get them when you log in one day and you're like, oh yeah, I guess I, I oh. got four packs this month. Oh, I'm in bronze again. 
<laughs> and it's capped like there's no like it's you know th- there's ways to kind of disguise it so it's like yes i'm working towards my next pack now and you don't totally know like how quickly you're going to get it but each time you get it, it's like yeah i got a pack but it's like very clear here that the progression is so slow it's like it's capped the best you can do if you make double mythic is 10 packs a month uh, that that's the best you did it the, you're not really it, it's it's really unsatisfying but th- there you go why can't I progress by playing the game the way that I like to play the game if I am a like constructed heavy player? Uh, is that a question that could be answered by money? I think it is. Oh, wow. It does seem to be the answer every single time. Interesting. Is that because it's more expensive to the player to do it this way. Yeah. Fascinating. That that could have been the answer to every Q&A thing if they were honest. But Yeah, because eh. this makes us more money. It's so, so weird to me that they basically did this stream and it encouraged more people to uninstall arena than to play it i i can't imagine anybody watching that stream and being like you know what i'll give arena another shot right who who who's the target who who gets there who's like i understand the economy now instead (laughs) of just feeling like super jaded about the whole thing yeah i don't i don't know they had a lot of viewers so maybe one poor soul yep well, you want to talk about alchemy cards then? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing, and I, I've mentioned it before. And maybe I've only mentioned this on Twitter. Like, I, Magic has got me by the short ones. I'm I'm just in. Like, I'm going to get taken advantage of. Uh, and when people, people sort of jump ship and go play different card games or whatever, I just can't do that because there there is something exploitative inherent in the structure of card games generally. Yeah. Uh, you know magic the gathering is the original gotcha game like you open booster packs like that's the basis for all of the gambling game economies and i think once i like escape magic the gathering i'm just not interested in the ccg form ever again but certainly magic could do it better than it does and less exploitatively but there is some inherent just like having rares in packs is like messed up in general yeah and the like artificial scarcity of a lot of cards but mm-hmm. i don't, i i just really like playing the i love card games i play yeah so many i watched a flesh and blood coverage this past weekend because it was on star city games and mm-hmm. i you know i don't play flesh and blood but i know how to play and i just watched coverage because it was it was pretty good like they actually the commentators did a really good job yeah, I mean, that like daggered into my soul a little bit, like Flesh and Blood coverage on SCG, because the thing that made it happen was that Flesh and Blood gave SCG some money to do it. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine it was a lot of money, <laughs> just like enough to cover production, I'm sure. And like, it would be very easy for Watsi to set aside a little bit of an advertising budget to just like allow other people to do coverage and not have to worry about the finances oh. of the whole thing as much. Oh, speaking of an advertising budget, I'm sorry for cutting your point, which you're probably done with anyway. That That's my entire <laughs> point. <laughs> but the, going back to the economy stream, one of my favorite questions was, uh, why don't you have arena codes in packs that people open and can just get packs with? You know, mm-hmm. like Pokemon TCG that, does? The thing that made the Pokemon TCG online super popular. Yeah. And their answer was, well, you know, tabletop and digital are different and we don't want 
tabletop players to have things in their packs they're not going to use <laughs> oh you mean like all of the commons in this pack <laughs> it's just like hold on <laughs> what are you even saying right now you mean this this ad card that i'm never going to use like what just an unreal you can't even really talk yourself into that one <laughs> like nobody has ever opened a pack of magic the gathering cards and all of the cards in it have been useful to them. You know also what people do in Pokemon TCG is they'll buy booster boxes or packs and they'll save the code card mm -hmm. and they'll just sell the code cards online for like a few cents or whatever they're going for. Right. And, you know, sure, that person is not using the card the way it was intended, but someone's using it like it's getting used mm -hmm. <laughs> and people are happy that it exists. Yeah, it's just. And it doesn't even need to be like every pack. It could be just like every, you know, they're randomly distributed through the packs. And so it's just like a little bridge or something like that. You know, sure. I don't know what would come with each one, but like it would be kind of cool opening a pack. You could sometimes get like, oh, this is worth like 10 packs on Arena. Neat. One yeah. more neat thing to open. Oh, which, oh, that's my other thing about Arena. How did they make opening packs just wildly unfun like they've actually done a really good job and and i know a lot of people have uh problems with some of the excessive variety of versions of cards but opening packs and paper magic is like pretty cool there's like a lot of different weird stuff that you can open and also you can open the card that you want on arena from launch until now the best thing that you can open in a pack is a rare wild card or maybe a mythic wild card if you manage to use up a bunch of your mythics but usually it's a rare wild card it's always the best thing to open in any pack it's phenomenally boring there's no cool versions of cards you can't get like golden or epic versions of cards you can't get weird frames in packs you can't get like hidden secret rares or anything like that it's just the 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 dumb looking rare wild card that doesn't even look like a magic card is there and i guess that's the best thing even like opening the card that you want like it actually does feel a little bit better because you don't have to it's like, you're permanently saving a wild wild card that's right, you don't reason. have to dedicate your resource <laughs> to it. Which, by the way, if dusting cards in order to craft cards is unfun, then definitely losing your rare wild cards to permanently craft cards that you can't get anything out of ever again, like that's even more unfun. When when I've crafted a card experimentally and then played a couple of matches and been like, okay, well, this rare is bad, it feels awful. Yeah, but that's true. Not, and you can't even like fool yourself into thinking even cards you have that are good will be playable in historic yeah <laughs> like the rotated format no they're just not going to be that format is way too powerful yeah sorry <sighs> anyways all right alchemy cards now can we just like pretend that we <laughs> none of this conversation like happened eight, and we can just eight tangents later yeah, easily engage in uh, being good consumers of Magic the Gathering arena cards. Uh, I'm not. I'm more of an enjoyer than a consumer. I have, yeah, that's fair. I've checked out of arena. I know you yeah. said they they had you, but I'm. I guess just not as rich. I got. <laughs> I uh well, I mean, we can dedicate some podcast funds to that. No, 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 no. The it's it's not it's not an actual money issue right 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 but it, it's it's a not wanting to provide this money in exchange for this 
yeah it's insulting honestly yeah yep i do play enough limited that i generally don't spend that much money on arena it's like once or twice a year i'll put a little bit of money into it but that's just because i love playing limited and i do a lot of it and it's just not reasonable for most people right i i would generally rather play i mean the problem is also that the formats on arena are just not interesting to me any longer Mm -hmm. like i I do like, I enjoyed watching Alchemy at the Pro Tour, right? Or mm-hmm. the set championship. And that that was interesting, but not once did I like think, all right, I want to just go grind Alchemy now, you know? No, like, what's, well, the what's barrier is so high. Draw? Yeah. I mean, if you could do it a little more easily, if it didn't just like cost such an investment to start up, then maybe if there was like a path to getting rewards that would help you do it, then it could be fun to earn your way in, but it's just so unrewarding that it's like the the game around the game is just not a f- a fun design. And in Legends of Runeterra, you're like you have these tracks that you're following to get rewards all the time. You have like special packs that you get in you know for winning games with certain cards and stuff. And like there's no none of that like meta game type thing or whatever on Arena. It's also it also goes a little bit further. Like when I play Arena, or I, I guess I'll, I'll start from the other end. When I play Legends of Terror, I, I played Legends of Terror before we started recording this podcast. You watch me finish up a little thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reward tracks you're talking about, there are 10 of them. There's one for each region, one for each color in the game, essentially. Mm-hmm. I've finished them all. I've had them finished for months. Like mm-hmm. every when a new set comes out, it gets updated. I've, I've finished it. I, I'm pl- basically playing for like love of the game essentially mm-hmm. and the I, I don't enjoy ranked right now in that game i'm just not playing their constructed ladder but mm-hmm. i've been playing they have a a pve mode it's like mm-hmm. a slay the spire-esque where you have a starting deck that's really bad and then you improve your cards and stuff as you go along mm-hmm. and honestly arena just doesn't have anything like that like if i'm not enjoying yeah what's happening and and you earn progression in the game you get experience and rewards playing the pve mode in legend Mm -hmm. of terra to get cards to play the pvp mode yeah and in in magic arena if i don't enjoy the formats there's just no reason for me to play the game at all Mm -hmm. which it sucks like it it is a bummer and actually like and then i don't play for a month and i get so far behind in resources that I feel like I just can't never play the catch next up. set release, and then I just fall mm-hmm. off arena entirely. Yeah, right. Because you right, you don't have the competitive decks or whatever. You don't. I mean, I, although you not that you get rewards from playing constructed <laughs> anyways, but it is kind of a shame because like one of the things that would be really cool to have is like a modern day Chandelier type thing. Yes, like I always thought be. that concept was fun. Like start out with a crappy deck, go on an adventure, battle stuff, get rewards from each fight, and like improve your deck like that was a really cool concept from 25 years ago or whatever and boy we really have not like nobody's picked that up the the that pve mode in legendary terror is called path of champions mm-hmm. and that mode they were they did like a a yearly wrap-up thing like they their game launched in april one year so around this time they're doing like stats and streams of the community and stuff like state of the game deal mm-hmm and they said in this one that the path of champions that mode outclasses every other game mode 
by player combined. base and play time combined. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Because a lot of people just... don't want to play against other players in their card game. They they would rather they like the card game, but they don't love the one on one competitive aspect of it. Yeah, and, and that's like a completely legitimate and good thing to have in your game. Yeah. And honestly, they need to do a better job of monetizing that mode. Like you can buy skins and cosmetics and stuff. But there's not a good way to like include it in that. Mm-hmm. And they they can monetize it like that uh, to help that out. But basically, that game mode, Path of Champions, is subsidizing keeping people in the game right now. Right, right. Which is really, really important, honestly. I think that makes a ton of sense. Because, like, you don't need... It doesn't matter what your collection is. You can always go play Path of Champions, and then that can be a bridge that gets you playing the rest of the game and spending money on the rest of the game. It's It makes sense to have a loss leader like that in your game. And Arena just doesn't have like it's just you got to spend money on all this stuff or and, like you get yeah. one draft every two weeks or whatever like if you don't it's i i think legends of terror is very very generous and you don't need to like mm-hmm. directly come i don't i don't expect magic to like even be half as effective as legend of terror or anything like that yeah i think that's a, more of an exceptional case mm-hmm. but there are lessons to learn from games in the same industry that watsy yeah. just flat out refuses to learn right just coasting on the strength of the game of magic the gathering and at some point it's not going to hold the weight anymore yeah okay i'm going to cut out all the previous attempts at segueing, but now (laughs) we are going to talk about starting with dragonfly pilot the alchemy cards since i've set a card name we can't go back now okay yeah and you're just going to leave in this like segue cutting mm-hmm. out the segways it'll thing. not make any sense at all <laughs> so dragonfly pilot one white for a one one fox pilot whenever dragonfly whenever dragonfly pilot enters the battlefield conjure a card named dragonfly suit into your hand dragonfly pilot cruise vehicles as though its power were too greater it doesn't seem super strong to me but any like one mana creature that puts a card into your hand in some way like there's something there like thraben inspector just defined standard for a while and it didn't even like it took work to put that card into your hand this does put a pretty bad card into your hand but you know if you're a specific deck that is like in for this stuff then i i could this is not a oh this card sucks like it's a one mana one one that puts a card into your hand yeah i think this is mostly gonna be a whiff Mm -hmm. uh with like a couple caveats like, I, I think this card's only good. Dragonfly Pilot's only going to be good if you care about crewing vehicles and you have a lot yeah. of vehicles in your deck, right? The Dragonfly Suit it comes along with, which in case you don't remember, because it's like a limited <laughs> card, yeah. it's just a three-mana flying 3-2 three, vehicle with crew one. Yeah. So not, not what you're playing the card for at all. But if you want the ability to crew vehicles at a cheap rate, like Dragonfly Pilot can offer, you've got a lot of vehicles in your deck, like, this card is good because it does that while giving you a free card. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that the vehicles right now are just not that good. Uh, right. Other than Wrecked or Bankbuster, pretty much. And Asika's Chariot. And, yeah, and Asika's Chariot. Which is, Although, Alchemy Asika's Chariot is less good, so. Yeah. Uh, there's no promise that there's going to be any more vehicles coming up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. They're not in every set. 
uh, I can see, ironically, because this is alchemy, we're just going to like do a dungeon type of deal with the vehicles and just buff them all at some point. Like that's <laughs> on the table. Right. And then this would be amazing and that sort of thing. Right. But I think as it stands right now, it's just just going to chill. Just going to wait for its time. I mean, we do in historic, we've got Kaladesh. And so we have a little bit wider. You know, you can put this in a deck with like veteran motorist and then you have like heart of Kirin and you know some some decent vehicles no smugglers copter unfortunately but you know like this thing's cruise the sky sovereign yeah it can it, it can cruise sky sovereign real well who knows if there's some sort of like hybrid grease fang <laughs> parhelion dragonfly you know with actual vehicles as part of the rest of the deck sort of thing that deck really has wa- really desperately wants smuggler's copter in ways that like no other deck has wanted smuggler's copter before is that card just not in the set right they just never yeah they just it. right they didn't put it or walking ballista in right the before set they at put all. brainstorm in historic that makes yeah. sense yeah well <laughs> smuggler's copter probably would be a problem in historic but i'm not saying it wouldn't be but yes. it's still weird <laughs> interesting decision making uh next card is fragment reality this is one white for an instant. Exile target, non-token, artifact, creature, or enchantment. Its controller puts a random creature card with lesser mana value from their library onto the battlefield tapped. I think this card is really good. Really? What, why is yeah. that? So you can't use it on everything, but I think it solves like a reasonably wide variety of problems. It allows you to have a white, a one white mana spell that's very good against like one drops and then also has like further application. If you have creatures of your own, then their like cheaper creatures become less effective. And as long as, you know, it requires some format knowledge and knowledge of the cards in your opponent's deck and that sort of thing. But this exiles a very large variety of permanents at a very cheap cost. And if your opponent doesn't have creatures in their deck or doesn't have good creatures in their deck or doesn't have things of the mana value that would come into play from this, then you're just like getting so much for one mana. I think this is very good. Uh, see, I think this card is is good. It's really mm-hmm. solid to me. I, I didn't honestly didn't really consider the creature aspect that much. Uh, mm-hmm. I was really into the disenchant value with a mm-hmm. like, oh, this works on creatures too if I want to do that because Usually when you're targeting artifacts or enchantments, that's like the card you want to kill. And there's nothing they can replace it with, generally speaking. Sure. But I I think what you're saying is right. Like, throw this on any random creature. It's going to at least do something. Yeah. Yeah, it'll downgrade it. Or if you hit their one drop, they're not going to get anything unless they're an Ornithopter deck. And also if it's like if they've got a five drop and no four drops or something like that, Mm -hmm. it it does reward for knowledge a lot. Like if you know what people are playing. Right. You can certainly leverage this card way better. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I hadn't given it super a lot of thought on hitting creatures as like a primary mode, but it is nice. And it's also an instant. So it like it's an instant. Yeah, it costs one mana. You have it up all the time. It stops bad things from happening in combats and stuff. So next is Inchblade Companion. One white for a one one artifact creature equipment insect with reconfigure two. A uh, quick creature gets plus one, plus one. Whenever Inchblade Companion becomes attached to a creature, create a token that's a copy of Inchblade Companion, except it doesn't have this ability. This ability triggers only once each turn. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, it's, it's a 1 1 that you can pay two to make another 1 1. 
and they're all and you need another creature in play and you yeah. can only do this one time per turn it's very slow it's very expensive it's, yes very yeah. slow it's it's not good but no. i did learn something while looking at this card uh because inchblade refers to inchworms i, I learned that inchworms are moths type of moth they're mm-hmm. just larvae i didn't know that oh yeah it's just that they were little bugs you know i'm glad i'm glad we learned something yeah yeah this card's not really worth talking about nah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care about that card I mean, it is a one mana one one artifact creature. Uh, there are worlds where like that is good enough because artifact type, and there are affinity cards in the form in the historic format. Yeah. Esper Sentinel but, also exists, though. Yeah, Esper Sentinel exists. Portable Hole exists. Like, there's ways to enable stuff. Kami of Transmutation, one and a white for a two two spirit. When it enters or leaves the battlefield, choose one. Each permanent card in your hand perpetually becomes an artifact in addition to its other types, or each permanent card in your hand perpetually becomes an enchantment in addition to its other types. I think like weird setup cards like this that don't actually do anything are generally like not going to be the basis for a combo deck that is any good, but it does get the wheels turning like and like does answer a, a lot of like magic the puzzling type situations of like how do i make this happen it's a neat card that i really don't see many practical uses for because you usually want your enablers to like do something or at least do their job well yes this is a grizzly bear that makes you then devote your other resources that you already had to doing your thing and like if you're an enchantment deck you're going to want to play enchantments anyway Mm -hmm. so anytime you hit an enchantment with this card in your hand it's useless right so you're just hitting all the other stuff in your hand mm-hmm. uh, it isn't neat that you turn your lands into artifacts or enchantments it, or whatever that is neat like if this sees a use it is probably that that you like make all of your lands artifact lands or enchantment lands i don't see because when you don't have this if you're really relying on you know yeah it, it's it's not a good enabler but that is a pretty big effect, making all of your lands into seats of the Synod and Dark Seal Citadels and stuff. But I don't really see it happening. And if you draw it late, it does just nothing at all. Because it only changes the cards in your hand, not cards in play. It would be much more interesting if it was modal that mm-hmm. you could pick like a card in play or cards in your hand or whatever. That would yeah. be a little more interesting. But yeah. it doesn't do that, so... <laughs> nope. And it's not really modal because in any deck, you're only ever going to choose one of yeah. the modes. It's either artifact or enchantment. And since it is neither itself, that is kind of a bummer too. Yeah. Like, why isn't this card at least an enchantment? Yeah. Next up, we've got Mothrider Cavalry. This is two white, white for a 2 2 flying. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. It costs two less to cast if you have no other creature cards in hand or if the only other creature cards in your hand are named Mothrider Cavalry. They really didn't want you to get frustrated by having two of these bad boys in your hand at once, which I appreciate. Uh, I think this card's real, real good. It's very easy to play it in a deck that's just like a lot of token generators and you never have the drawback of it being four mana. And that's a two mana, two, two flying glorious anthem in a token deck is really good. I think this card is just generally good. Anytime you're in the market for a creature anthem, this is one of the better ones you can have. Yep. Especially being on a flyer. Like if you have mm-hmm. two of these in play, that's a lot of stuff that you're yep. doing. And you do not, all of the decks that I've seen people post with this have been completely creatureless tokens decks. 
you don't need to go that hard. You can no, play you some don't. creatures. You just yeah. cast this last, and it's fine. It's like perfectly reasonable as a four mana card. Ideally, you cast it for two mana on turn three, mm-hmm. some percentage of the time. But mm-hmm. it's perfectly reasonable as a four mana two two. Yeah. the The upside of playing it in like the all tokens deck is like then you can put it on your curve as a two drop, which can be a little harder to come by. And so that's kind of nice, but you don't. If you're playing more creatures, then you will have two drops. You'll have Luminarch Aspirant or whatever. So, Also, I like that this card continues the Kamigawa love story between a samurai and his moth. <laughs> and his moth. Yes, of course. I love the moth cards. Oh, yeah, they're but, so great. Yeah. I would say we need more moths in Magic, but really it's just, it's just the Kamigawa and moths. They're just <laughs> giant. Yes, the size is what really sells it. Next, we have Better Offer. X in a blue for a sorcery. Put a random creature with mana value X or less from target opponent's library onto the battlefield under your control. It perpetually has base power and toughness XX and perpetually gains ward one. I'm not interested in this card. It's it's too random. Yeah. Like it grabs a, it doesn't even grab a creature with mana value that you pay for. Like if you pay mm-hmm. five in blue, it can grab a five drop, a four drop, a three drop, a two drop, or a one drop. Yeah, it it's because it, it five gives five, it the size, right? Yeah, yeah, but usually your you know your better abilities are going to be on the more expensive creatures. Like if this were an instant, I'd be down, but well, it is not. Yeah, so I'll, I'll read the blue cards. Also, oh sure, sorry, I don't want you to read all the cards. They'll be on there. <laughs> so I'm going to start with experimental pilot here, <laughs> uh, which is a blue mana one one creature human pilot with ward two. You can pay a blue and discard two cards to draft a card from Experimental Pilot's Spellbook, and Experimental Pilot can create vehicles as though its power were two greater. Its Spellbook it's just a lot of is vehicles. a bunch of vehicles from Reckoner Bankbuster, that's the highlight, to a Cultivator's Caravan, Untethered Express. Like It's just all the common uncommon vehicles, pretty much, with a few rares sprinkled in. Uh, this is pretty much what I'm going to say for the... What was the Fox Pilot? It so, seems like a worse version of the Fox Pilot. It's the worst. It's a worse version of Dragonfly Pilot. Mostly because you have to discard two cards to get a chance at a fine vehicle. Like you can still choose between like Demolition Stomper, uh, Oval Chase Dragster, and Thundering Chariot. Those are all commons, which have ex- very bad crew costs. <laughs> I, well, I, I guess you're you're counting on the pilot staying in play to crew it for you. I think it's really funny that renegade freighter didn't get printed in the kaladesh set because it's too good and limited so then they can't put it in the spell book for this dude yeah that's that's awkward i wish i could at least draft cosima you know from the spell book just play right. the backside of cosima <laughs> <laughs> it only gives you the backside you don't get the cosima part of it <laughs> I, it's an alchemy card we can do that i guess hey that that card um whatever her boat is called Mm-hmm. That's a vehicle lord. That's whenever a vehicle kill. deals damage to a player. Yeah, I know. Player. It would be sick to get in your vehicle's deck. But... Yeah. Like if I wanted to discard two cards for a chance of getting it, like, you know. You'll just have to actually play it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. This card's a bust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going to holographic double. This is another blue mana 1-1. One, one. It's an illusion. Uh, you can pay a blue and exile it from your hand to choose a creature card in your hand and conjure a duplicate of it. So basically this is a, a wild card for creatures in your hand. 
It's 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 just like a really weird clone. It clones a creature in your hand and then you can cast it and the creature from your hand. But I think it like lives in the same space as all clones that only clone your creatures, which is like it's too narrow. You have to have the right thing in your hand for it to do anything good. It also doesn't have the advantage of some clones where you the, the cost is a lot cheaper than the card you're copying. Right. Like, I, the name is escaping me. The mimic that's on glass pool. It's glass pool mimic. Yeah, the Glasspool Mimic. Yeah, so Glasspool Mimic is a clone that can only copy your creatures, right? It's got mm-hmm. two upsides. One, that it's three mana, so it's cheaper than a lot of stuff you want to copy. Yeah. And then two, it can be a land, right? Yes, that's a this pretty card, big upside. This card just doesn't have any upsides, unless yes. I guess you're copying it on Drazi, so you can get a cast trigger, but that seems a little ambitious. <laughs> the only upside that I can see to this method of cloning, really, is if you're copying stuff like in the fairy miscreant realm of things it can give you like a lot more fairy miscreants but i don't see this one or the out. fairy macabre style huh where you've got Ooh, activated abilities yeah that's tight yeah yeah but, you could you could copy a cycler and cycle it from your hand or whatever oh, yeah this is great we're working so hard to cycle a card <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm just gonna move on to the next card this one's not yeah. a this is not a winner sadly a bunch of the alchemy cards are not hitters yeah uh, future spell thief uh two and a blue for a three two moonfolk wizard with flash when it enters the battlefield conjure a duplicate of target spell into your hand that card perpetually gains you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast the spell so you play it you pick a card that i pick a spell it's that's on the stack could be whatever you want instant creature artifact whatever and then you get a copy of it into your hand yeah, just pretty clunky. It's a 3-2 that you have to cast with a spell on the stack, and then you get a card out of it. If it's your spell, then this might as well have been double cast mage. If it's their spell, how likely is it that you can use it or that they put it on the stack and it's good, like you have this 3-2 ready to go? And how often are you going to want like a 3-2 flash in a random deck, you know? Yeah. So you you don't have like control over the spell that you're getting very easily. Like... You know, Snapcaster Mage rules because you get the selection of the spell and you get to play your best spell twice. Uh, this one is so much harder to make work like that. That it, And if you draw it with an empty hand, it becomes just a 3-2. Well, you wait until your opponent has something that you uh, just desperately need to, to, to play out, I guess. Yeah, it's just like a Doomblade on your creature when they don't have anything in play or something. Great. <sighs> semblance scanner is the next card this one's uh, probably worse than future spell thief because it's a two and a blue three one really making the case that not all these cards should be rare really but anyway <laughs> semblance scanner is a two u three one artifact creature equipment shapeshifter when a semblance scanner or equipped creature deals combat damage to a player if it's not a token conjure a duplicate of it into your hand and it's i hate one. the wordings on this and the ogre head helm where it just like uses it and it's like impossible to parse from the english text whether it's referring to like the the equipment itself or the creature like yes it's referring to whatever creature dealt damage whether it's this or the thing it's equipped to but it like breaks my brain every time i read it because the sentence doesn't actually like make clear what it's supposed to be doing Right. It makes it seem in English terms that you're always getting a template scanner in your hand, but you're getting mm-hmm. whatever deals damage to them. Yes. 
if it's not a token. This card would be cool if it were in a set that had limited. Yeah, it would it would be cool. Uh kind of like a ninja type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh especially since you're it works really well with ninjas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you get it into your hand and then you can ninjutsu it. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, unfortunately, three mana three one and constructed is a non-starter, especially in a blue deck. And then you have especially to have... in a spike field hazard format. Yeah. And then you have to reconfigure it onto something else, and that something else has to like be something that you want to duplicate. Mm-hmm. It's not a good formula. Yeah, and the fact that you can't like go nuts with your token duplicates of the like. Well, no, 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 no. You can, you can go nuts with anything you duplicate off this card because. Uh, anything you conjure is not a token it's a card it's just that when, like if you oh, equip this to right. a soldier token or whatever you can't put soldier you can't put a soldier token in your hand that's the only reason okay yeah yeah that does that sense. that tripped me up initially when yeah. i was wondering why, why is this on the card uh that's why because it's because you can't put a, a token into your hand yeah. yeah yep yep all right i need to open up this card because it's got tiny text cyber siphoner a 2UU 2-2 with flash, which costs 2 less if there are no instant or sorcery cards in your hand. When it enters the battlefield, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand, and if it were if it would die, shuffle it into your library instead. I, I actually don't like this card. You don't like it or you don't hate <laughs> I it? I don't hate it. Oh it's, yeah, I don't I don't hate it either. It's like a a weirdo eternal witness. Only or works weirdo, with spells. Or a weirdo snapcaster mage. Like, yeah, or a weird snap customer age, yeah. It, it is very awkward when you have an answer sorcery card in your hand because then it's not two mana. Mm-hmm. But the sheer efficiency of like blue, blue, two, two flash regrowth of a spell. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, whenever you are getting it for two mana, this is a snapcaster mage that you don't have to cast the spell when you cast a snapcaster mage. And Snapcaster Mage would absolutely be good enough in Alchemy and Historic. Like, there's just no question. Yeah, I certainly can be awkward when it costs four mana. Also, Ephemerate is in Historic. Yep. And Ephemerating this thing is pretty dirty. Yeah, that is pretty nice. It's it's a another Eternal Witness situation. Yeah. And, he's and there's, modern. there's no Eternal Witness on Arena. So I think this is serving your Ephemerate Eternal Witness role. Because prior to this, everything that could do that cost five mana or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this serves like a, a huge niche there. And I I think that there will be plenty of uses for this card. It's not like insanely powerful. You can't play it in a deck with... You can't play it like you did in a lot of Snapcaster decks that are like 20 plus instants or sorceries. I think it becomes too awkward then. You know, you're probably not getting back cantrips with this thing. And it's just a value card. You're, you're like actively building a deck that uses this in some way but i think the ephemerate synergy is really gross i think having a certain selection of spells it can be really good and it's just gonna see some play yeah i i I like this card black cards we'll start out with one that i just don't really know how to how to analyze at all consuming oni two black black six six flying menace at the beginning of your end step a random non-land card in your hand perpetually gains when you cast this spell you lose three life which can stack, by the way. So if yeah. you have like one spell that you don't have, like you can end up with a Doom Blade in your hand. That's like when you cast this, you lose twelve. So don't cast it. Probably pretty bad. I I, I don't know how to evaluate it. It's yeah. 
probably not good because you generally want to cast all the cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really have, like, even if you hope to get the like card in your hand is not going to be that useful and you want your consuming of to hit it multiple times. Mm-hmm. That's not even like that guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. If you're very good at emptying your hand and this just isn't, you know, once you don't have spells in your hand, this doesn't have a drawback anymore. That's true. So I guess your that's in step. So yeah, you can just draw your card, play it. And then if you're, right. if you're bent, you're good to go. Yeah. I think four mana, six, six flying menace is like, it's really hard to cast four mana creatures in historic. So this would have to be an alchemy card. I don't, and alchemy right now is so mid rangey removal. You know, the six, six isn't going to shut down a lot of people because there's a lot of blood chiefs thirsts and various other removal spells because everybody's playing good creatures that you have to remove so i don't know a lot of engine creatures in historic right now yeah or alchemy in in alchemy yeah a lot of engine creatures so i don't know if a non-value four drop finds a place but it it is really big six six flying menace (laughs) for four is quite large and kills your opponent pretty quickly and my default place to put it would be a deck that dumps its hand pretty pretty quickly yeah, if that exists, it could be one of the desecration demon spots where mm-hmm. it could show up. <laughs> it's really big. If, if you play a deck that has like a lot of hand disruption, like duresses are a great way to like empty both players' hands quickly and then get this thing into play. Can you? I don't think you can duress yourself. Can you? No, no. But I mean, if you duress your opponent, oh, you go yeah, down yeah. a card. They go down a card. Like that's a a good way to just not have anybody have any resources when you slam the six six. Okay. Yeah. I. I... It wouldn't surprise me if this sees no play at all because of the right. context of the format, but it's not dead in the water. Four mana creatures that don't generate value and just are large, even without a drawback, generally don't see play. So right. yeah, that's that's a good heuristic to follow. This one just is very large. Kami of Mourning, two and a black for a 3-2 spirit. When it ETBs, target creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard perpetually gains. Whenever a creature you control with greater mana value than this dies, return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Seems kind of hard to set up in a meaningful way. I need to see this card in play to like f- f- understand if this actually happens. This feels like a card that you figure something out with and it's good. Mm-hmm. rather than just being generically okay you know yeah like this is this seems to me you want to like put it on a two drop or something so when the kami dies it actually does something yes and then you have to then it makes me want to see what the two drops available in alchemy are and how like what good come to play effects there are and stuff like that like mm-hmm. I, I can see you doing stuff especially in an engine style deck or, or like a mid-range or value game plan mm-hmm. with this card but it's it, it like takes work to make use of. Yeah. Yeah. I also imagine that there's some loops you can generate with this. Like if there is something that uh can bring another creature back and then you like have a sacrifice outlet or something like that, then you may be able to get some sort of infinite loop going. Uh and if that that ends up being workable, that seems like the most likely way that this does something rather than just by being a, a weird like value three two. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a card to keep an eye on and play around with, not like a all right, this one's a this one's a snapcaster mage kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's like a Vesper Lark thing that you could do with this. 
I would have to do a lot of scryfall searches <laughs> to give you any kind of answer. Well, I mean, so so if you have a four power creature or any four mana creature with one power and a Vesper Lark and you give the Vesper Lark the ability, then Vesper Lark dies, brings back the one power creature. You sacrifice the one power creature. Vesper Lark comes back, sacrifice the Vesper Lark. It brings back the one power creature. So I, that, that could be something. <laughs> Right. I did a quick search of one power four cost creatures in alchemy. Uh, well, are... it needs to be historic because Vesper Lark is oh, not yeah, alchemy illegal. Well, luckily, the only one in alchemy I could find was uh, Toski. That was anywhere near playable. <laughs> and Toski can't die. <laughs> yeah, too bad Walking Blista isn't legal. That's a CMC zero card. Oh, oh yeah, oh. it needs to be. No, yeah, you're right. It needs to be CMC four, with with low power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there are there are basically no playable <laughs> historic. Though I didn't realize Vidalcan Entrancer was legal in historic. Ooh. It's from a jumpstart set. I mean, that card's unplayable, but it, I've got good memories of it in Ravnica draft. You wouldn't think like four mana, one or zero power would be like that. F four or greater, one or zero power. You wouldn't think that it'd be like that impossible to find something and when we're looking at the likes of horseshoe crab and <laughs> master splicer so you know th these are the kind of cards we're Ooh, working with master splicer you get a lot of three threes from that loop oh, four fours because master splicer is a lord oh sure if you leave the master yeah. splicer in play yeah uh, ah there we go and that's only two <laughs> colors <laughs> we're really doing it to get our we're really master doing splicer it. loop on the board uh, yeah, that may not be good enough to beat a Phoenix deck. Well, maybe. Who knows until we can but, make Mythic with it. But Kami of Morning, Vesper Lark, a four plus mana creature with one or less power, and a, and a sacrifice engine that doesn't <laughs> cost mana, so it needs to be a full-on Nantuko Husk type thing. There, we, there you go. Right. Done, easy easy four-step process to success. I've done 10% of the work. The 90% is up to you. And remember, if you don't credit CCR in the deck... Uh, I'm going to complain about you on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's important. Yep. <laughs> uh, painful Bond, one in a black, instant, draw two cards, then cards in your hand with mana value three or greater perpetually gain when you cast the spell, you lose one life. That's kind of neat, honestly. Oh, I think this card is excellent. Like, I yeah. think this is the best card in the set. Yeah, this seems really good. It's comparable to Night's Whisper, except mm -hmm. it's an instant <laughs> and it doesn't penalize your cheap spells. Luris is still legal and historic. Yeah, this card's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I don't have a lot to say. It's it's a simple card. Like it's a card draw spell in black, you know? Yeah. You don't uh, get a lot of those. One of the better ones is Deadly Dispute, which you have to give up a resource for. This one you just don't. And it's an instant. It's uh, this card's very good. Yeah, Death Shadow is legal and historic, so I don't know if that's something that you want to do. But yeah, this card just generally seems very, very strong. Soul Servitude. Two and a black instant. Target player sacrifices a non-token creature. When they do, you may discard... Oh, this card is just not going to be worth the read, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. When they do, you may discard a card. If you do, conjure a duplicate of the sacrifice creature into your hand. It perpetually gains. You may spend... Okay. So you, you edict them... You can discard a card. If you do, it turns the the that discarded card into you get a co copy of their creature that they sacrificed into your hand instead of the discarded card. 
I this isn't good. No, it's a three mana card, a three mana edict that your opponent gets to pick whatever they sacrifice. So it's not like a soul shatter where they have mm-hmm. to get rid of their, their strongest guy. Then you can discard a card to get a copy of whatever they chose was worse on their board to sacrifice. It's just <laughs> so, so many hoops. Here's where you want this. You want this when your opponent in the blue X mirror flashes in a Hullbreaker horror and you can cast this and turn a card in your hand into a Hullbreaker horror. However, this card is only legal in alchemy where Hullbreaker horror is not uncounterable and is not a mirror breaker in any way. So... Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Swarm Saboteur, one in a black for a 2-1 death touch with ninjutsu, one in a black. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, conjure a card named Virus Beetle into your hand. And Virus Beetle is the one in a black, 1-1 one, one artifact creature, Ravenous Rats. Yeah, this probably isn't a thing, but it's very cute. Yeah, I, I really like this card. I think yeah. it's super neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also don't think it really fits anywhere. Like it, this would be a really cool card in limited, mm-hmm. but you know, constructed not so much. You know, Virus Beetle is like the second best common in the limited format, or second best black common in the limited format after Akiba Gang. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah okay. that does not okay, surprise right. me. Yeah, it just has like way too many synergies, and it's an so useful. And it it's good with ninjas. It's good with artifact stuff. It like. Yeah, it does a lot of really good stuff. Yeah, I like Swarm Chapter. I just don't think it's it, it doesn't cut it doesn't yeah. come close to the bar and construct it. Yes. It also has one toughness and costs more than one mana, which is really rough in a format where you're supposed to be playing for spike field hazards. So I agree with you, but I honestly thought you were about to take us some sort of Vesper Lark <laughs> route to that. <laughs> no, no, no. Vesper Lark counts power. <laughs> Under City Plunder, one in the black, sorcery, target opponent discards a card, then they may discard an additional card. If they don't, conjure a duplicate of a random card from their library into your hand. It perpetually gains. You may spend mana as over mana of any color to cast a spell. Uh, this is even worse. This is a worse than Ravenous Rats card. That is a rare that you have to craft from this side. Don't play this card. It's the best when you like conjure a swamp. Or whatever from their <laughs> <Yeah>. library because <laughs> it doesn't say a non-land card you're just nope. not guaranteed to get a, a non-land yeah like at least with ravenous rats when you play it like ravenous rats has seems on constructed play because there are weird little synergies with like yorian and stuff like that there's just no possible synergies with a sorcery that does this nope and gets you a, a random card out of their deck <laughs> unless they choose to not let you do that by discarding a card Right, let's go to some red cards. Red cards are neat. I like red, red cards. Red cards are neat. Uh, Artillery Enthusiast is the first one. It's a red mana 1-1 one, one for a goblin artificer. Modified creatures you control have menace. And when Artillery Enthusiast enters the battlefield, you can discard a card. If you do, seek a card with mana value equal to that card's mana value. So you get a card out of your deck this time. That's yes. very. That's much closer to being useful. Yeah, you get a random. you get a random card equal to the cost of the card you discarded. Uh, this this card is i kind of like it but i don't think it's very good like it just doesn't really do anything uh so i think so but also there's like a lot of madness cards and graveyard synergies in historic and this is like a really good discard enabler because it replaces the card is it better than something like volterran epic here though 
which is a more like uh, the modified creatures you control have menace basically means nothing in general. Right. Boulder and Epicure is a similar card. Mm-hmm. It gives you some material in the blood, which you do have to spend an extra mana for. Right. But it also pings your opponent, which is. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wonder if you're like into that effect enough and like okay enough with one mana one one creatures that you may want more or and this also like you know it's i mean i guess it's probably easier to cast fiery temper with the blood token than with this thing so kind of kind of a wash there uh i don't know but anything that lets you discard a card is like you know there's places for that like the fact that Voldaire and Epicure sees a bunch of weird play in a bunch of weird formats like a bunch of different formats is enough that just like anytime a cheap card lets me discard a card it catches my attention discard a card for value it catches my attention Um, yeah I agree I that's what (laughs) kind of makes me want to be drawn into this card but I don't think it really like I think there's so many red one drops that do this effect that this is not among the ones I would like to play yeah that that's fair but, like, I think this is generally better than, like, Insolent Neonate. Yes. You know, just as a point of comparison. All right, next card is Foundry Beetle. It's a 100 red 2-2 with First Strike. It's an artifact creature equipment insect. The second equipment insect we've read, actually. Equipped <laughs> uh, creature with First Strike. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, a random artifact card in your hand perpetually gains this spell cost one less to cast and has reconfigure for a single red mana. That's uh, so weird that so much of its text is like not related to the fact that it's a reconfigure card. Yeah, it, it's mostly like a reconfigure card for the ride, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, you know, whatever. I yeah. I actually really like this card. I think it's good, except for the fact that None of the artifact synergy stuff is really in red and historic. Mm-hmm. It's all blue and white. Yeah. You've got your thought monitors and your Esper Sentinels, and there's no way you could play Jeskai in these artifact shells. No, you'd need to be some sort of artifacty deck that, you know, wants to be red already for experimental synthesizer and then has other artifacts that you want to discount with this. Uh, and also, you need that, like, 2-2 first strike body to matter for this card to be worth it which I mean it, it like blocks or whatever but you could have the artifactness of the card itself matter too sure uh, but that's that's what I think one of the problems with it is it's a bunch of the payoffs were white and blue mm-hmm. and this card is neither of those colors yeah do we have anything that triggers off of like targeting or activating an ability because you can reconfigure for a red like a lot of times uh no this isn't this isn't such of a inchblade companion type of card (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, inchblade companion and tesseract you get a free one one every turn wow the creature employee really doing it yeah all right anyway (laughs) uh bellows breath ogre is the next artifact creature it's a two and a red three three ogre shaman that has a starting intensity of one that doesn't really mean anything until I read the next line. <laughs> uh, whenever Bell's Breath Ogre attacks, it deals damage equal to its intensity to any target, then perpetually increases its intensity by one. Uh, I think this is a reasonable enough card, but I think it has a lot of those same problems as Foundry Beetle, which is that straight up is a fair card. It's not really worth its merit, so you need mm-hmm. to kind of lean on its artifacts energy stuff. But when you're doing that, you're in the wrong colors still. Right. 
because because what it wants to be is some sort of in some sort of creature based artifact synergy deck not like a combo-y like emery artifact deck which is much more likely to want red uh and currently yeah in historic you want to be blue white for that and i guess i'll just do the last artifact creature forgeborn phoenix is a one red red two two uh, artifact creature equipment phoenix it has flying it has reconfigured for red mana an equipped creature has flying and whenever at forgeborn phoenix or equipped creature dies it perpetually gains whenever an equipped creature you control deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker return this card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped I don't think this card really works. Uh, so yeah. like it in order to get a creature back with it, you need to equip this to a creature, hit them with that creature, then they need to kill that creature, then you need to equip this to another creature, hit them with that creature, and then you can get back the first creature from your graveyard. At that point, your opponent has done 45 damage to you, milled you out, and killed all of your stuff. You're, so you're it's... slightly incorrect. Uh, <laughs> you don't need to hit them the first time for this thing to have its ability. It, the thing just needs to be equipped to it so, and die, essentially. Oh, okay. But you do need to equip them with equip it with this. Yes, and then any time after that, yes, you do need to hit them with an equipped creature, which is yes. you know kind of a snowball. That requires you to deal, have multiple but... permanents in play. And, and have already it, equipped something and then yeah. have them kill a thing before you... It, it's a lot of work. For it's not... too many steps. Yeah. And this thing doesn't even have haste, despite being a 1 red red 2-2 two, two flying phoenix. Well, it does no death thing that phoenixes do. How many 1 red red haste phoenixes are there? I guess there's Flame Wake and Chandra's. <laughs> there's okay, like two. a lot of them. I don't... Not with haste, right? It does, it's not important. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm gonna do Junkyard Scrapper. I'm going to look up how many one red red I know you phoenixes are. with haste there are. <laughs> uh, this There's is phoenix a... of ash as well. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a two and a red, right? Phoenix of ash? No, no, no. One red red cost and two red red escape. Oh, okay, okay. We've really derailed this with our... 100% of one red red phoenixes have haste until which, this yeah, one. Yeah, there are three. Mm -hmm. Three other phoenixes. All right. So there you go. Junkyard Scrapper is <laughs> <laughs> a 233. It's a goblin artificer. Whatever non token artifact enters the battlefield under your control, exile a random non line artifact card with lesser mana value from your library, and you can cast that card until the end of your next turn. God, this card I, is cool. Huh? This card is so cool. It's really cool. I love this. is like my favorite digital implementation card they do. Mm -hmm. where it's like so unfeasible to do in paper i mean not that unfeasible like theoretically you could you can't do this in paper. it but it would be so impractical yeah no this would suck to do in paper because each one triggers it again yeah and so it would just be uh every turn would be a huge pain in the ass yeah here they, they just pop up really really good mm -hmm. or uh, like pleasing i don't think it's that good right because it but requires it's cool. you to you know play a chain of artifacts to get value out of it and have this card be in play mm -hmm. and it doesn't even have like a ward or anything like it's just it's just a three three yeah yeah definitely a little tough to pull off any historic deck that's running this is probably doing stuff with mox amber which definitely makes this like this card would be so much better if it were a legendary creature it'd be extremely powerful i think 
If you could go uh, Junkyard Scrapper into like Experimental Frenzy, pull out Mox Amber and play it, that, that's actually like a pretty cool turn. I mean, it's an experimental synthesizer. Yeah. 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 But, you know, that's probably not going to come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Yeah. It is really cool. Like, this is the one that gets me. It, it may not be the strongest card in this group of cars, but it is the one that, like, gets my desire to brew going the hardest uh, mostly in historic because there's a lot more cool artifacts in historic but this is i think but like the best alchemy implementation of a card we've read except for maybe the uh the white one the mm-hmm. path of exile that like exchanges a, a permanent yeah but when your your alchemy card is like undercity plunder Soulservitude, the discard spell and the the edict which is like mm-hmm. get a random card mm-hmm. at, at some exorbitant cost it's just not that appealing yeah I, so it's so weird that Seek, by definition, puts the card into your hand when there's, like, other things that could use a Seek-esque keyword, but because it puts the card into your hand, they have to, like, not do that. This could be Seek a random non-land artifact card and Exile if Seek were, like, differently implemented. But And then it's so weird that they use Seek on, what's it called, the Cleric the four mana three three that like seeks two creatures and then you have to they both go into your hand and then you put one into play and then one goes back into your deck like what a bizarre combination of keywords and effects and then here we can't use the seek keyword even though we really are seeking it's just not going to our hand my conspiracy theory is that they don't want too many fake cards or fake mechanic names on these cards because people will just like not really know what it means Mm -hmm. which starts to break down once they start putting the words starting intensity on cards yes that one really messes up that theory (laughs) uh molten impact is the last red card it's a one or a red sorcery molten impact deals four damage dark creature planeswalker if excess damage was dealt this way when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell molten impact deals damage equal to the excess to target creature or planeswalker so this card is bizarre because a i don't think it's that good like there's mm-hmm. so many two mana four damage spells and this one isn't doing anything particularly effective uh but it also has two targets the first thing you're doing the damage to up front and then you have to pick what you're targeting when you cast the moments oh no you don't right no it's a delay trigger it's, it's a delay trigger okay yeah so that's, i think it that's actually way better actually yeah i think this card's fine it could be a lava coil substitute or you know it especially in in alchemy you know historic doesn't really need this two mana removal spells in historic there's good ones and also you don't want to play that many of them because uh you need cheap removal in alchemy though like i could see it this is one of the better ways to have a card that can kill a four toughness creature that also like you can leverage against the white weenie decks and that i think it's fine Later down the line, when you cast your card dress spell, it actually does. You're afforded the ability to cast it because it is a removal spell, then. Yeah. I mean, against like a runes deck being able to kill one of their creatures and then later on, or the next turn or something, kill a generous visitor is like, if things work out for you, then that is really cool. Yeah, I'm not against this. This seems fine. Yeah, it seems fine. But it, I mean, it's complicated enough that I guess, but like, having the rare symbol on this card that's just like a a removal spell with a little upside is just like okay whatever (sighs) yeah 
uh, green cards. We've got Bozeju Pathlighter, two and a green for a 3-2. When it enters the battlefield, draft a card from Bozeju Pathlighter's spellbook, and its spellbook is just a bunch of lands. There's Bozeju Who Endures in there, there's Colony Garden, Gingerbread Cabin, Memorial to Unity, Field of Ruin, Emergence Zone, like a bunch of colorless utility lands. like Mobilized District, stuff. it's got a man land. Yeah, there's a man land in there. There's Scavenger Grounds in there, so... I don't know what deck wants this, but a 3-mana three 3-2 three that puts a land into your hand is kind of something. It doesn't fix your mana, really. You can get a Thriving Grove maybe to fix your mana, <laughs> but it's not dependable for fixing your mana. Probably not great, but it is a 3-mana three 3-2 three that puts a land into your hand. It could be something in some deck. It's also a Hall of Oracles, which is a Shimmering Grotto to fix your mana. Oh, huh? yeah, I really yeah. love to do that. If you need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this i think this card's mostly gonna be a bust mm-hmm. like we've had a long line of borderland rangers enter yeah. the format and leave tough to for them to be good enough these days right uh chronicler of worship one and a green for a one one when it enters the battlefield put a random shrine card from among the top seven cards of your library into your hand it perpetually gains this spell costs one less to cast then shuffle what a stretch to make this an alchemy card. This is just, just boy, we really had to make it a little bit worse than look at the top seven cards of your library and put a shrine into your hand. A little bit better. Oh, it's random. It's random. Wow. I thought the I thought the alchemy part was that it costs it one less. It perpetually costs one less. It's just like these two minor effects that like one makes it a little better, one makes it a little worse. They kind of cancel out. What? What's the point? Look at the top seven cards. Put a shrine into your hand. Reveal it. Like, come on. And this also has tap, add one mana of any color. If you're making a shrine's deck, put this card in it, I guess. But you're not making a shrine's deck. But you're going to be real sad when it grabs a random shrine of a shrine you already have. Yeah. (laughs) Yes! What? What a bummer. Shrines are all legendary. Shrines are all legendary. So they really just, like, messed up the design of this card in order to make it an alchemy card basically yeah i mean i guess you don't get to look at the top seven cards of your library which is i guess is <laughs> a benefit what who cares i yeah i think they they badly screwed this card up in order to make it an it, it card. seems like a, a fine card but it, it's got a lot of things i don't like about it yeah uh, just because artifacts like if it were just like two mana mana guy look at your top seven put a shrine into your hand it's like, okay, I understand what this card is doing in the shrine deck, but then they just had to make it weird so that it's an alchemy card, and I think just made it worse. Yeah. Yes. All of the old shrines are historic legal, so if you're doing that, then do that. But this card isn't isn't a truly a card for actual competitive decks. And this could be your chance to prove us wrong. Go hit Mythic with the shrines deck. Go. Yeah, that's fine, and, and tag me in it. I would appreciate it. That way he'll have to say you're the best player ever. I will do that. I promise you, if you hit Mythic with a Shrines deck and you tag me, I will reply and tell you that you're the best player ever. That's fine. Uh, We've got Forceful Cultivator, 2GG for a 2-3 Snake Shaman. It costs 2 less if there are no land cards in your hand. When it ETBs, search your library for a basic land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle... I think that this is too unreliable to be a thing. Yeah, I do, I do too. 
Like you're <laughs> way more likely to have lands the first three turns of the game than pretty much at any other point. Yeah. Uh, and this as a solemn simulacrum impersonator that, is not that's not exciting good yeah anytime you can do it for two mana like that is very good but it, it's just you can't depend on it so right like it's it's when you keep a greedy hand and it has this card in it you feel like you're cheating but then right. every average or normal hand is just like this card is nothing I guess I'd be more interested in it in a stompy like I don't really want it in a ramp deck I'd be more interested in it in a stompyish deck that can leverage that mana somehow. That's not just like that's not ramping into stuff. It's just like, oh man, really glad that I had this so I didn't effectively miss a land drop, and I'm also contributing to my board kind of thing. So that's probably where I would see it, and that would be in a deck that does not run 27 or 28 lands because it's a creature deck. Also, double-faced cards do not count as lands, so you can cheat your land count that way. And if you're going to play this card, I would attempt to do that as hard as I can play a lot of Kazandu mammoths and stuff. Yeah. I, the the classic double face cards aren't lands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as, loophole. Uh, yeah. Makes cards do weird stuff. Uh, Jukai liberator two and a green for a three, three snake ninja ninjutsu one and a green. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, choose land or non-land. Seek a permanent card of the chosen kind. This is better than drawing a card every time it hits your opponent. It has ninjutsu of one and a green. It is a weird color for this effect, but that is a really powerful effect, and it's a 3-3 body on a 2-mana ninjutsu cost. Yeah, this card's good. Yeah. Uh, It's not, like, game-breaking or anything. It's, like, a good value card, especially if you get good ninjutsu targets. Mm-hmm. but I, I i like this one uh tenacious pup as a yeah. ninja suit target is that's not a bad one you could also do it with i mean even kami of the groves or arboreal grazers something like that yeah yeah i mean next card is kami of bamboo groves one green for a one one enchantment creature spirit when it etbs you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and it has channel two and a green discard it and you conjure two forests into your hand so definitely in the arboreal grazer territory of effect but also you can turn it into two lands when arboreal grazer is no longer good and that's useful somewhere yeah i I like this card because mostly because i i quite like arboreal grazer which badly outkicked its coverage on like it way outperformed kind of our initial read of the card and then it was like okay wow this card is very effective so i do not do not want to underrate pretty high on our royal grazer i definitely don't want to underrate this type of effect ever again yeah i mean our royal grazer still sees modern play yes as a four of (laughs) yeah yeah i i I don't really have anything to say about copy better growth i think it's just a fine card i don't think it's as good as our royal grazer is but right it does have the buyout mode blocked a lot of two twos and two power flyers and stuff like that so or five five flyers for a turn or whatever punched way above its weight class it really did runaway growth three and a green for an enchantment aura starting intensity one intensity makes a lot less sense on the the enchant land that makes mana than on the ogre that is breathing fire yeah 
Uh, whenever it's tapped for mana, its controller adds an additional amount of G equal to runaway gross intensity, then perpetually increases its intensity by one. This is like a really expensive way to ramp and is not super effective and only makes green mana and I'm not interested in it. There are about four uh, explosive vegetation yep. griffs in Historic. Yeah. And this is worse than all of them. And none of them are playable. And you can just town raise your tyrant the land this enchants. <laughs> I mean, you can enchant a basic, I guess, but you, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if you can't tap this the turn that you play it, which you probably can't because that would be five mana to do, then your next turn this was a four mana rampant growth, and then the turn after that it is a. a an explosive vegetation so at the turn after that it's doing what you paid for and then the turn after that so yeah only right there's a card that is search two for some of them to play i can't remember what it's called yeah there's the time spiral one with kicker hunting wilds is that hunting wilds i was thinking of the one that does in battle bond Mm. anyways this card is wildly unplayable yeah this was a bad one it's not as intense as you it would lead you to believe no, there's very little intensity to it. Uh, last one is Imperial Blademaster. One red-white for a 2-2 double strike human samurai. Whenever a hu- samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, draft a card from Imperial Blademaster's spellbook. And its spellbook, its spellbook is just a bunch of samurai-related cards from Kamigawa, <laughs> mostly. Including Eater of Virtue, but not Experimental Synthesizer, which is rude because that, that makes a samurai. Yeah, but it only makes a samurai because, like, that was the token, I think. Uh, I'm insulted that this samurai doesn't consider Synthesizer as one of its brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can get a bunch of weird stuff. You could get Eater of Virtue, a better-than-bone-splitter equipment. Or you could get Ancestral Katana, an unplayable-in-that-limited-format equipment. <laughs> so there's there's a gap. There's a spread. Probably not a thing, but if you somehow manage to build a reasonable deck with the creature types necessary, like a 3-mana 2-2 double strike that comes down and when you attack with your 2-drop that you played the turn before you get a card is kind of neat, but I don't really see this deck existing. The problem is you have to attack alone, (laughs) and there's like no real exalted payoffs or anything like that. Yeah. So you're just crippling your ability to attack for no like you're mostly you're getting a bunch of commons from draft formats right i mean this would be a sweet rare in a samurai deck that you drafted as a yeah, like it would be Ooh, i i, I really want to draw my imperial blade master but this isn't a limited format so you can't do that i hope at some point they will it seems very easy to just have a limited format with alchemy cards involved in it but it just mm-hmm isn't materializing for some reason yeah hopefully just put them in the stupid cube yeah just they definitely cube. they definitely should make an alchemy cube like 100 that should happen but yeah. you can't make imperial blade master work unless you have like a samurai and warriors uh, and yeah samurai and warriors so like some of them don't work but a bunch of them would That's uh it. what you don't want to do is like bring back adventures in the forgotten realms and then just like play that limited format with the cards updated for alchemy. And then it's like, oh yeah, these dungeon cards are really, really good now because they all cost one mana less. 
Yeah, now my everyone was laughing at my uh, gift of paradise before, <laughs> but now I will have the last laugh. Um, yeah, that's all those cards. We kind of stretched this one out a little bit because we went through all of them. Because new cards are neat no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it, it gave us something to talk about besides ranting about the arena economy for an hour and a half. Yeah, but boy, we could have just kept doing that too. And we would have we would have repeated ourselves a lot. Yeah, I don't have any regrets. Yo, no, absolutely not. Some things just need to be said over and over again, <laughs> even if we've said them a lot before, just because it's a continued pain point. It, it is. And, you know, once you just give up and let it happen, then you've you've really lost. So maybe we can just keep pretending to be fighting that fight. I don't really know what value there is to it, but it feels worse to just shut up about it. I mean, it's a podcast we're talking about magic, and that's one of the things that happened, so. Yeah, this is our our prerogative. We get to do that. Cool. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate your time. If you want to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at ccr underscore grindcast, and Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. Thanks so much, and... Have a great week. Goodbye.